Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of How to Do Drugs, the podcast. Um, I've been MIA for approximately three months, almost exactly three months, I believe. Um, and I'm sorry for that. I apologize for that uh, little break. Actually, it was a pretty long break. Um, I remember the last episode I recorded was with Christina Hutchinson, which was a great episode. And then I went to Wisconsin and Illinois, Chicago. Um, I had hosted for McFoley in Milwaukee, did some shows in Chicago, and I had recorded an episode with my best friend, uh, Stephanie. Uh, we were wasted, like real real wasted and we haven't seen each other in a couple of years it, it was it was quite some time and um I'm not gonna do that to her <laughs> she's opening up her own tattoo shop in Sheboygan Wisconsin I'm so proud of her but um yeah so we're gonna hold off on that episode although uh, I am gonna have my best friend Stephanie on and I'm gonna take clips from that episode for the new one um, that we do the next time I see her, which will hopefully be at the end of January if um, all goes well. Uh, the reason why I had a fun little break uh, was because I was experimenting with some antidepressants um, and not like in the cool fun way. It was like with uh, my head doctor and she had suggested that I try um, actually like give antidepressants a try basically. Uh, I have a problem with antidepressants because they tend to make me sadder and or way more suicidal than I already am. I don't really need help in that department. Uh, but she had suggested that I have to try them, you know, for a little bit longer because I've tried a couple here and there. I tried, you know, for like a week, two weeks. Um, I think the longest may have been like three weeks, uh, maybe even a month and not sure, but this time I actually, I gave it a go a whole two months. And, um, I don't know if you guys have ever had a drug induced depression. Um, I like to tend to do drugs that make me happy, you know, <laughs> the mushrooms and stuff, just happy. Um, but for two months, uh, it was, <laughs> I was doing this thing where like, I'd be really sad and like not want to do anything, but I always make my bed. That's one thing, as you can see back there, I always try to make my bed, um, brush my teeth, you know, just little things that are so exhausting when, when you're depressed. So I'd be brushing my teeth and I'd be angry or like just bawling, but like I was forcing myself to do stuff because I knew that I wasn't feeling that way. It was the drugs making me feel that way. <laughs> Um, and so I stopped, uh, taking the antidepressants because then I started, um, having more murderous thoughts, which was new to me. Um, it does run in the family, I guess. Uh, uh, probably also has to do a lot with the fact that I started rewatching all 277 episodes of Criminal Minds for the third time. So that may have had a factor on that a little bit um because murder is bad <laughs> obviously i'm not gonna do murder don't worry um but yeah so i stopped uh taking those i had to detox a little bit and then like holidays and life happened but um i'm back and we're gonna come back um strong well me you guys will hopefully <laughs> be with me on this wonderful journey um this week, um, actually, in about 20 minutes or so, I'm going to have uh, my buddy uh, Derek Drescher. Uh, he's, a, he's a newer comic, um, recovering heroin addict and ex-con, um, and all-around cool guy. Uh, so he is going to be on today, uh, next week, hopefully. Um, the next two weeks, I have people scheduled, so hopefully the scheduling... Um, goes well, but um, I do plan on coming back uh, for the weekly episodes of this wonderful, intriguing, interesting, hopefully you learn stuff um, type of podcast. So yeah, so I'm going to go and finish fixing my hair. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go do my hair. All right, you guys. Um, I'll see you in a little bit. Okay, bye. There. Now it's on. Everything's working. Look at me being a professional. <laughs> I love it so much. I'm so grown up. I know the tech stuff is wild. It does feel good when you get like make something happen with it. Yeah, if you can yeah. figure it out. Because you're older too, right? Yeah, you're yeah. 40. So it's 40 like. 40 on the dot. 
Nice. Uh, when was your birthday? July fourth. Uh, oh, Fourth of July, yeah. baby. Yeah, I'm all. I'm way behind on all the technology stuff. <laughs> I don't understand any of it. I like figure it out, but it's um. Like some stuff, because like we grew up with the internet, you know what I mean? Like a lot of this stuff we were growing up with. So some of this stuff, like I get really well, right. like I know really well. And then other stuff I'm like, I have, because it changes like daily. Yeah. The internet was, I remember when the internet started coming around and you, you had to have like a separate phone for it and it would like. Remember, like, oh, yeah, the dial up, yeah, and you would hear up, like yeah. the weird noise, yep. and then yeah. it would take forever like years to download something, yep. LimeWire, or whatever. And then, but then I was like so in and out of like some like institutions that like I just they don't teach you that kind of stuff. No, no. they should. They well, yeah, because um, jails and, and prisons and stuff are supposed to be rehabilitating people to be functioning members of society. But if anything, they just learn how to be better criminals. That's it. There's no reform <laughs> at all. There's there's so few programs that are like truly reform based, yeah. and you got to be like a model, you know, a prisoner, prisoner to, even to get in to yeah. either get that stuff. But you think about, especially in New York State, the amount of prisons there are. You would think they would try to have a few programs in each prison. Well, I know that like when my dad was in prison, you know, um, they help you like get a degree, like your high school diploma and stuff like that, or, or teach people to read even like basic stuff. But prisons in other countries like they do actual reform, like mental health care and like they treat people with respect, like they don't yep. treat them like you know animals. Denmark, they have like marble countertops in their cells. Yeah, yeah, they actually have really nice cells. I was watching an interview <laughs> one time there, and the guy was like, "They treat us like animals in here." I was like, "Really?" <laughs> they were living in like a beautiful apartment. Yeah, they yeah. could like leave on the weekends to go see their family and Which shit. Which is insane. It's like, why don't you come to Rikers Island just for one day and then see <laughs> the difference? Did you see the last picture of Rikers that no. was getting all the fuss? Mm-mm. It's uh, it was just basically everybody in the bullpen just laying all over each other, like. Oh. And people were like, oh, my God, this is horrible. I'm like, it's been like this for Forever. years. Forever. <laughs> like, where have you guys been? It's crazy. It's I've crazy. never, um, I've been to Auschwitz. I like to see it, obviously. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm like, I've been to Auschwitz. Are you Jewish? <laughs> no. <laughs> Not that I'm aware of. How was Auschwitz? Auschwitz. Uh, Auschwitz. It was, um, it was, you know, sad. It was creepy. Like, it was a prison on this island. Mm-hmm. And, you, you know, they have, like, you know, some of the most famous criminals that, that went there and stuff. And I went with my mom, and she, like, she believes in ghosts and all that stuff. And and she thinks that, like, she's, like, kind of a ghost whisperer. And so she was she was actually afraid to go there because of all the bad ghosts. The one in California. Yeah, yeah, uh, um, San Francisco. Yeah, the, um, not Auschwitz. Auschwitz was where the Jews got Oh! <laughs> oh, yeah, no, what is it? What is that? Oh, now I forget. I'm drawing a blank. Uh, oh, Alcatraz. Alcatraz. <laughs> I was like, holy shit. Auschwitz. <laughs> yeah. That's what he said. Yeah, no, Alcatraz. <laughs> That's hilarious. I know stuff, you guys. It's Alcatraz, <laughs> not Auschwitz. I mean, same difference, though, kind of, right? If you, I mean, yeah. Besides, like, the mass murder and I tor- think, torture. I think, I think they did the chair over there. That's how they killed you in Auschwitz. Was there, was there an electric Alcatraz? chair? Um, an Alcatraz? The ga- I know, right? They gassed you, and, and they used gas in Auschwitz. I know. Yeah, they. I, I mean, they used a bunch of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> they straight up, like, creepy torture. Um, I've heard that place is haunted, Alcatraz. Yeah, well, yeah. the thing, like, I don't. Like, you want to believe in ghosts. You want to believe in ghosts so badly because it sounds so cool. It really does, do right? Believe, do you believe? It, not really, but I want to. It's like this thing, like, I believe in energy, right? I, yeah. So, so And everything carries energy. And when something horrible happens in a place, that's going to carry a bad, like, energy. It's going to have bad juju. You right. know, you're going to feel a little weird when you go in there. I remember I was uh, in this one facility upstate. And it was like, it's just this compound. It's like they have um, a detox, a rehab, Mm -hmm. like a shelter. It's all this like, uh, you know, this uh, like social services stuff. And there's this one building. It used used to be like a a psychiatric hospital, but it's Mm -hmm. uh, it's got these these it's fenced in these tall fences. Yeah. And and 
I would just go out there and look at it. And I remember this guy coming up to me. He's like, if walls could talk, I'm Derek. But I was like, I wonder what the fuck happened in there. Oh, and, and like, especially Shock like the therapy. old, old, like, psychiatric wards or like, they, they used to call them like schools for the retarded and moronic. Yeah. And so like, like, those were literal names. But yeah. yeah, they used to do. The criminally insane. Yeah, yeah. they used a lot of a lot of the bomb like lobotomies yep. and um definitely shock therapy. now they have shock therapy where like they it doesn't even hurt you that's crazy um because some of it actually can be helpful like it does kind of help like jock you know fix the wiring a little bit like <laughs> because i've thought about that i'm like maybe i just need a jolt or something yeah I mean, I wouldn't be opposed to it if they knew it was going to work and like I wouldn't have to take pills and stuff. like Yeah, that. I would. Yeah, I would much rather. Oh, I just get shocked a couple of times because, yeah, that's the thing for as much as I love doing drugs. I don't like having having to take them because some people need antidepressants. We were talking about that earlier. Like my mom cannot not take antidepressants right. now. Like she like her body, her brain is so used to them that they have to take it. So I just feel that I like raw dog in my mental illness. <laughs> I mean, I used to take so many pills. It was the worst because I remember like anytime I'd go to jail, like I'd get locked up. You like, you know, I'm I'm kicking heroin, right? Yeah. And then I can't sleep, obviously. So I'd be like, I wanna, I wanna take my meds now. <laughs> and they'd be like, Can you? When's the last time you took your meds? And I'd be like, I don't know. You know, I was doing drugs, and a lot of times the jails are like, No, we're not give, giving you shit. Like. Until, like, you're fully detox kind of thing or just in general? I mean, until I, it just, they're just not going to give it to you, like, when you want it. You're going to have to continue to do, like, therapy and stuff like that. But it, that's hard to even do when you're incarcerated. Yeah. But um, the when I would get into, like, actual programs, like, long-term drug programs, I, you know, I'd be on so much Trazodone, Seroquel, Nortriptyline, um, I'd a whole little cocktail. Depakote. <laughs> yeah. All I've been on Thorazine. I was on Thorazine when I was a kid. Which when, is, when you were a kid? When I was young. Yeah. When For, I was, why were you on that? Um, I feel like they gave it to all of us in juvie because they could. Oh, so, so you started out young in, yeah. in the criminal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think I got arrested for the first time when I was like 12. Okay. Yeah. That's pretty young. 12 years old. Are you from New York? Like from the city? New York, okay. Yeah. My grandmother passed away. So. My parents worked a number of jobs. Like, my mom worked a few jobs. My father worked a few jobs. Neither one of them graduated college. Mm -hmm. But they were hard workers. They wanted to provide for for the family. Mm -hmm. And um, I would be... My grandmother would watch me a lot. So I, I grew very close to her. Then she passed away. And I don't know, like, about... I'm not sure. I feel like I, I wasn't born with the ability to, like, express how I was feeling healthily. Like emotion, health yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, boys in general, like men. Yeah. But, yeah, they're, you guys are always like, man up. Like, men don't cry or boys don't cry. You got to be a man. Even at a very young age. Like, yeah. I, even, like, little, like, toddlers. It's like, what's up, little man? It's yeah. like he hasn't, <laughs> he can't even talk yet. He's a, hardly a man. He just needs a nap. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He needs a nap. But so yeah. expressing emotions wasn't. Yeah, and I just acted out. I'd act out. And I wasn't even really big into drugs yet then or anything like that. Like, I would have the, like, I'd have beers and smoke pot, but, um, which is young to do that. That's, at. yeah, I didn't start that stuff until I was, like, 14. 15. I mean, the first alcoholic drink I had, I was really young, but that's because I'm from Wisconsin and that was normal to be like, here, have a little bit of a beer, you know, like grandpa's yeah. like I'd be like five here, have a beer, you know, just a sip or whatever. But that's just that's normal behavior in Wisconsin. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't I, I didn't do it a lot. I mean, but when I did get drunk, I got drunk. But yeah. I, I stole a car and. When you were 12? or yeah, police took me. I went, I like, <laughs> That's also young to be driving. I, yeah, I was like using my turn signals and shit. It was ridiculous. <laughs> I was going the speed limit. It was, it was crazy. Did you have to have like a booster seat? <laughs> I, uh, I, I got, I, I pulled into a dead end and then the police like blocked. Oh, no. Blocked it. Yeah, I mean, I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. Yeah. And then I would like speed up and hit the brakes right before. Yeah. And then the car died. And uh, I remember I was holding the locks with both my fingers. Because <laughs> it's one of the old cars. Where you and they were, the cops had Slim Jims. <laughs> they had Slim Jims. And they were like, you know, and they got in. <laughs> and then they beat the shit out of me. Oh, my yeah. God. Yeah. They yeah and my mother and my father ended up being over there. And my, my mom hit me one time, too, before 
They put me in the car. Yeah. Well, I mean, your mom's kind of allowed to smack yeah. you. <laughs> Def- I mean, absolutely. not now. Back then, it was totally normal. I never g- got a beating put on me like that ever before or since. They, I mean, they beat me. They beat me up so bad my sneakers came off. They beat me out of my shoes. Jeez, yeah. and you're 12. I was 12. I'm just a 12 year old kid. I was a well, boy. whose car did you steal? Was it a neighbor's or your parents? Yeah, yeah. Just was, a neighbor. Yeah. So <laughs> it was funny too when they were like bringing me to the car. I was said to them, I was like, I'm just a kid. Wait till I'm 20, 30 years old. And <laughs> my mother heard that. Oh, and no. that's when she and that's me. when she and yeah, they, they were they were. She was like, can I? They were, she was like, stop. And they like knew she wanted to crack me one. Yeah, and then they just held me. <laughs> she hit me. Some Rodney King type shit. And, yeah, <laughs> and then um, I uh, for court the next day. Like they kept me in the precinct for the night for court the next day. They kept a child. Yeah. Wow. And they kept me there. So I was, they were bringing me to family court in the morning. Yeah. And I see my dad at court. I'm like, uh, Dad, I don't know what's going on, but if they send me anywhere, do you think you can uh, bring my clothes? And my <laughs> father's like, Son, you don't. You're not going to need clothes where you're going. They you're going to have a. You're going to be in like a jumpsuit. Yeah. And then I went to Spofford, which is in the Bronx. So they actually sent you to like a juvenile facility for <laughs> your first offense. That was your first offense at 12 years old. Yes. Yes, but what had happened, like, with me, it looked very bad. Yeah. Especially, like, when they blocked it off. I mean, and I was driving the car towards the police. Yeah. Like, you know, aggressively. <laughs> and I mean, I, I, I didn't, I just made it sound like, I did, so a few cops did roll over the car. Okay. Yeah. Um, but still, you're 12 years I, old. Like, they're basically, like, programming you to just be a criminal for life. Yeah, it didn't help, and I was in and out of that place for like the next five years. Wow, yeah. out of the juvie thing. Yeah, I never, um, I never went to juvie, which is nice. Even though, like, I've done some pretty fucked up things, but I went at that time. I went to school in a small town in Wisconsin, West Bend, like where I went to high school, where I did most of my yeah, <laughs> criminal stuff. things. But yeah, um, like when I started the school on fire, it was an accident. Like you I set, set the school on fire. Well, it was the soccer field. Dope. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like I was just smoking a cigarette and I just flicked it, but I flicked it into a big pile of dead leaves. So like half the soccer field and whatever. Was the soccer team not able to play? Uh, no. Good. <laughs> Fuck, Good. The soccer Fuck the soccer team. team. <laughs> but they um, they were going to blame someone else. They were going to put the blame on someone else. And this kid, like his parents used to beat him. You know, he was. Um, he oh, was so like he one of the good. bad eggs or, or whatever. And I felt really bad. So I turned myself in. I'm like, I'm the one who actually did. And they're like, we have a can of beer with fingerprints. And I was drinking beer and I'm like, I'm 14. I'm not even supposed to be here without a parent. Um, it's cause my dad was a cop and also, you know, a career criminal. So he had taught me all these things at a fairly young age, how to deal with oh, the shit. police. But yeah, I got expelled for a month and then was able to go back to school, had to do like community service. Oh, so you got a little break. Yeah, yeah. so it was nice. I um, <laughs> I remember one time I, uh, like I got picked up for a robbery and the police, you know, they wanted, they were asking me for information. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I don't know anything. I don't, you know, whatever. And they, they were f- happy with me, but they really wanted this other kid that was involved in it with me. Okay. Because they, they, his mother was like a dispatcher. Uh, and I guess she thought her boy could do no wrong. And yeah. The Cops. cop was just like, just give me, his name was Frankie, just give me Frankie. Give me, like, put him there. <laughs> and I was like, I can't. I, I di-. He was like, you did all this by yourself. I was like, I did everything by myself. Mm-hmm. And I just, remembering he was talking about a footprint. <laughs> He's like, I have a footprint. I have a footprint. And uh, I was like, whatever, man. It's my footprint, you know? And uh, I, I, when I was in the facility, I remember he came. They, he came. The cop came. And they, he wanted my s- to see my sneakers. So he had this print in his uh, hand. To see if they matched. And it, w- it was mine. I was like, I told you he wasn't there. <laughs> I was like, I told you. But another thing that happened, too, while I was incarcerated is there was another robbery and a fire set to a place. Okay. And the police came. Did you start a fire? I was already locked up. Oh, okay. So, you're like <laughs> I was al- so my father was like, they were like, where's your son? No, no, he's, my dad's like, he's not here. They're like, yeah, well, he started a fire and he did this and that. And the, my father was like, he couldn't have. He 
You guys already have yeah, him. Yeah, you have him already. He's already <laughs> locked up. And you're like, oh, shit. But, yeah, that, w- that was funny to me, too. That is. When did um, when did you actually, like, first start, like, using, like, harder drugs? Cause if you're like, in between there, 15, 16, yeah. 17. Like, yeah, I would experiment, a little cocaine, and then when I really got into hard drugs, I was definitely in my 20s. I didn't do heroin until I was 30. Yeah. Yeah. What made you try that? I was messing around with the pills, the Oxycontin and the the perk, the Roxacets. Okay. And um, I ran out of them. <laughs> and uh, my brother, my me and my brother, uh, we used to use together, like do our ripping and running together mm-hmm. when we got a little older. We were living above a restaurant. He li- he had an apartment on the second floor. I had an apartment on the third. And I got sick. I got sick when I ran out of pills. Mm-hmm. My brother came upstairs. And he was like, I hate to see you like this, you know. I have something that can make you feel better that's not pills. Yeah. And I was like, what, do you got heroin? And then he didn't say anything. I was like, oh, shit. I was like, yeah, give sure, I'll try it. I sniffed some. I wasn't sick anymore. Yeah. And, like, within a few weeks, I was shooting it. Shooting it yeah. up. I never, I never shot it up. Yeah. I always talked about, like, if the end of the world is coming or, like, if I know I'm going to die, I'm totally going to shoot up. If you do heroin, you should shoot it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's really no better way of feeling. Well, I mean, even going to the hospital, you know, with some of the drugs that they gave me, I was like, oh, I understand. But I've also I've never liked being that type of high, if that makes sense. Like if I'm at home watching a movie, like even edibles, if I eat too many edibles, I'm like, oh, this is what heroin feels like. Mm. I like I like uppers. I've always been like, we I like to. (laughs) So I did a lot of cocaine. I also sold a lot of cocaine. Yeah. Um, But it made me paranoid. Maybe paranoid and like, you know, you know how it is. You get talkative and then you shut up. Yeah. And you, you can't stop talking that mm-hmm. all of a sudden you're like yeah. telling them where your stash is. You're like, why did I do that? Yeah. And it's you got to just keep doing more. And I would, when I did the heroin, it really just felt like somebody put like a warm blanket over me. Yeah. Yeah. The, I mean, sniffing it was good. But when when I shot it, when I did it, IV intravenous, it was. Uh, oof. Yeah, they always say that um, the first time you do that, people are always trying to chase that first high. Yeah. It's like you'll never have that experience. Like my dad, he used to, um, he liked both heroin and crack. Those were his two favorites. Two very extreme. He's bipolar. Speedball. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> sometimes together, sometimes not. But he would um, he would purposely like detox and go clean for like a month or two just so when he used again, he would get that same high. Yeah. And you know, that's how a lot of guys die like that too. Mm-hmm. To work, and you got to be really smart. Uh, when you like a lot of people getting out of like detox mm-hmm. or incarceration, if they think they feel like they feel like they could use the same way they were before, and then yeah, that's what kills them. That's what killed my buddy Mike. He yeah. was Xanax, like he loved Xanax, and he was clean for years. Really, and, and then he um, he was under a lot of stress. Like he was about a month before getting married, and. He took way too many, but he thought, oh, my body can handle it. It's like me and alcohol. It's like I think I could drink a bottle of vodka because I used to be able to do that and drive home and be perfectly fine. And then now I have two drinks and I'm like, I'm going to throw up. You're shot, right? (laughs) Damn, that sucks. That happened to him. How long was his relapse? Not long at all? That one time. That was his first. Yeah, he died with his first relapse. As far as I know, um, his fiance had said that he he was fine. He wasn't using at all like we were always very careful like he was always really careful about because his son had cancer and he Mm -hmm. was going through a bunch of stuff like that and he was a really popular publicist like he used to rep like martin like the pharma bro dude martin screlly or or whatever he was like he sent what was it like 50 gallon fucking tub of like anal lube to some criminal or someone who just got like he would do all these crazy publicity stunts that got like a lot of attention he was Mm. really good at doing that kind of stuff so he was working really hard but yeah i think maybe like the wedding and a couple other things just stress him out and he just took a couple too many and damn that's sad yeah that's the thing about addicts hardcore addicts is like we're freaking with like tortured souls yeah it's like once my friend rebecca she she was on this podcast she has said she's like oh if i use one more time i'm gonna die she's like i will absolutely kill myself yeah from doing that my daughter's mother i remember her telling me one time um and it stuck with me ever like and we're not together anymore mm-hmm. we don't talk she was like you know you're you're a good person i see the good in you 
but you have this like horrible insatiable like hunger <laughs> hunger for drugs that she's like and if you're gonna continue to live this way it's probably better off that you pass away and she was right that stuck with me yeah um how old is your daughter? Eleven. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah, she's eleven. She's down there with her mother in Florida. In Florida. Yeah. And how long have you been clean? I've been clean seven years. Nice. Yeah. So that what made you decide to get clean? Um. I uh, I had an overdose. Like I had overdosed a few times. Um, the last one was strange to me though. It was just. My brother had overdosed a few months earlier. Like I said, we were living in that apartment. Mm-hmm. So we would do whatever we had to do for the day, steal, rob, whatever we had to do to pr- procure our heroin. Mm-hmm. And no matter what, every night we would eat dinner together. Like a family. Like a family, yeah. So, um, like even if I would to not were to nod out, like he'd wake me up. Like he was, he could be active yeah. on heroin, <laughs> like while he was on heroin. And... Um, I remember one night I, I, you know, I, I nodded out. I woke up and it was like after eight o'clock, and I was like, "Huh, we usually eat by now." And um, I went down, I went downstairs to his apartment. His door was open a crack. I pushed it open, and he was laying in the bed face down. I thought he was asleep. Yeah. And then I like grabbed his leg, like in a way that would make somebody jolt up. Yeah. And he didn't move. So then I turned him over, and he was like blue. Oh. So I started blowing in his face. You know, like. You know how they say like with a, if a baby stops breathing, just blowing its nose. Like I started to do that. Okay. I was dumping cold water on his head, and then he took one breath. He like he went, <gasps> and like all this fluid came out of his mouth. So I, then I ran down into the restaurant, and I was like, "Someone call nine one one. My brother's dying," and there just so happened to be a few paramedics in there. Okay. They went in, ambulance got there quick, and then they brought him back to life with um, the Narcan. Okay. My brother was a big guy, so I remember yeah. the the cops were there too. I remember it was so fucked up. The cops, I mean, they were standing outside. I guess they didn't know who I was. They're like, "Is this guy dead or what?" Oh. I was like, "Fuck," you know. And then it, when he when they brought him back to life in the ambulance, when the Narcan worked, it started to shake the ambulance. So like, because he's big. <laughs> and then when they hit you with that Narcan shit, you go like right into withdrawal. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean that's a powerful fucking <laughs> jolt to your system <laughs> yeah so i was like oh he's alive but a few months later there was this uh you know this we're going back like eight nine years now there was this you know fentanyl was around then too yeah and there was these these pink bags of heroin going around and people were like dropping like flies and when you're on heroin you want the stuff that people are ODing off of. Yeah, because that's wrong. That's it's, strong it's a, shit. It, you just, you try to figure out, like, I don't, I only need this yeah. much. Yeah. So, I get some of that stuff. Um, and I remember me and my brother stopped by my parents. And, uh, I sh- was shooting up in their bathroom, but I missed my vein, though. So I'm not sick anymore, but I'm not high. Yeah. And now I'm, like, pissed. Doesn't I'm, it, like, fuck up your muscles or something? Like It, it can. It can leave, like, a... Bruise Like or a bump, bruise. Yeah. I mean, you bruise usually anyway from, yeah. from shooting up. But, yeah, sometimes, you, get, you know, it has to, like, go away. It takes a while for your body to Oh, my dad it. has permanent marks just from, like, all the hospital visits, yeah. but also just from using Tracks. so much. Yep. Yeah. So I'm, like, upset. I'm, like, tell my brother. I'm, like, yeah, we got to go. We got to leave. Because I also didn't feel, like, super comfortable shooting up there. Well, it's your parents. Yeah. <laughs> so we go to, like, this uh, shooting gallery. For those of you that don't know, shooting gallery is, like, uh, what a crack house is to crack for heroin. So <laughs> where people shoot up. Yep. And uh, I put another three bags in the spoon. And then... That's a lot. And then, yeah, I just wasn't thinking. And then the last... Th- the next thing I, r- I know, I'm waking up in the hospital. I hear my brother... Crying, you know, say, please save my brother. Please save my brother. And I'm like trying to figure out what's going on. I start throwing up. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I defecated on myself also. And I'm like, I'm cold. I'm cold. They put the warm blanket on me. This isn't like someone putting ice on your balls. Like this is. Oh, yeah. No, yeah. it's a specific yeah. type of like internal freezing. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so. Uh, and then when I could finally talk, I'm like, I'm alive. I'm alive. And my, and my brother was just like. You know, thank God. He's like, do you want me to call mom? And I was like, no, no. He's like, do you want me to call Adrian, my daughter's mother? I was mm-hmm. like, no, I don't want anybody to see me like this. And um, 
That's where I got stable. So, you know, I was just beat. You know, a lot of people are very upset when that happens. When they when when they get the Narcan. Because mm-hmm. you're not high anymore and you're sick. Yeah. And uh I was just like just beaten and I remember the nurse came in and she's like, I just wanna let you know you're the first person that we were able to save this week. Because the fentanyl was just knocking people. Yeah. Killing them. And then the doctor came in. He's like, you know, you seem like you're not a bad dude. You should probably stop doing drugs. <laughs> <laughs> and he was like, we're going to get you the help you need. Uh, we're going to get you into a place tonight. And I was like, nah, I'm, I'm leaving. I'm, I'm walking out. Yeah. He was like, you should really go in. And I was like, nah, I'm going to go. And I left. And I, I knew then. I don't know why I didn't go that night. But I knew that day. I was like. I came to like this like uh, fork in the road. Mm-hmm. I was like, I'm either gonna die with a needle in my arm, or I'm gonna change my life. I don't know what I'm gonna do, but something's gonna happen. And I didn't use with the same ferocity anymore. Just like like more of a maintenance Trying thing, to because not your get body sick. does get addicted to yeah. it, where it's not just the mental thing. The thing anymore. is, is like too is like you want you. I felt like I could like trick. Like, I could outthink my way out of being addicted to heroin. Like I was like, I'll do <laughs> this much on this day, this much, and I'm going to wean myself off mm-hmm. heroin. And the thing is, this is like, Classic just, it doesn't work like that. <laughs> no, not even close. Like, all the pleasure you get, it's it's such a weird thing if you think about it. It's like, you got to pay that pain back. Yeah. You know what I mean? And um, Yeah, there need there's a yin to the yang. There yeah. needs to be balance in the Can't system. Can't have the yin without my, the yang, my friend. Yeah, I know. And, um... And then finally everything was gone. Like I was not like I was on the streets. I was like living in a car, and then I like had at to, least you had a car. Then I had to give the car <laughs> up. And I remember I was just sitting on a park bench, like rock bottom kind of. Yeah. And I went to this place called CFR Center for Recovery. And I I was actually after I I got got. I got I got done doing all my juvie time and I turned eighteen. I actually joined the army for okay. a, eleven months before they kicked me out. I yeah. So but <laughs> I remember talking to this lady from CFR and she was I I just went to to her. She was like one of my counselors. So I was like, yo, I'm I ain't gonna make it. She's like, yeah, I know you're gonna you're gonna die. Uh, she was like, you know, even though you didn't uh, leave the military with honor like honorably under yeah. honorable conditions, I could get you into a a military like a, a veterans program like they do actually have some good veterans program a hundred percent so this this program was for like veterans who'd been uh incarcerated multiple times chronically homeless and mm-hmm. had substance abuse issues so it was like perfect for me yeah and uh like I, every vet ever pretty much yeah basically, <laughs> Sadly. basically. so i i go to uh the intake was in queens and um I was supposed to be on Suboxone, but I w- would take it, like, the day of a piss test, and then I would just, like, trade it for for other shit, you know? So I get there. They're like, where's your Suboxone? I'm like, I sold it. And they're like, all right, we need you to piss for us. I piss. They're like, you came up, like, positive for everything but Suboxone. <laughs> and they're like, because they, I was supposed to go into, like, their Suboxone taper program, then mm-hmm. go over to the veterans facility. And they're like, we have you have to go to detox. Yeah. So they they sent me to detox in Yonkers, St. John's Behavior Behavioral Health Hospital, and uh, they detoxed me with methadone for a few days, sent me back, and then I went right into the veterans program. That's what helped you yeah. get clean for the first time. Have you like relapsed? I, no, I, I, I'd been clean before that, three months, six yeah. months, but little I little stints able, or whatever. Never able to stick, and that that program. It's called the TC, which means therapeutic community. Mm-hmm. And they don't run them like, you know, we're going, it was about seven years ago that a lot of things have changed, like laws with like Oasis and all that mm-hmm. stuff, which is like the governing body on drug treatment facilities. They like tore you down and built you up. I was like, oh, I'm so happy to be here. They're like, shut up. Oh, so kind of like that military, like brainwashing. But sometimes drug addicts, like they need to be brainwashed. Oh, like yeah. they really do need their brain scrubbed a little bit. They were like, nobody wants you. Mm-hmm. You're on the streets, like, and it was basically oh, wow. like a last chance thing too. Like if I would go to, I would go to jail if I couldn't complete the program. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were like, you know, 
you can't even see your family. Like, you know. Sh- oh, wow. Well, I mean, I don't know. That's like the scared straight kind of thing. It's like those kids that they. I did that twice, too. <laughs> Obviously, that. The second time, I was like, I can handle this shit. <laughs> like, I feel that because I have, like, violent tendencies that I would fuck somebody up. Yeah. Like, because the way I was raised, my father's like, don't let anyone. Even if yeah. they are a member of like an authoritative member, it's like people need to treat you with Yeah, respect. if somebody puts their hands on you, put your hands back on them. Yeah, that's always, especially with men. I'm always yeah. supposed to stab men yeah. <laughs> for some reason. So New York is actually the first city in the country here that's allowing, that has a place where people to go like shoot up, I guess, to get clean needles or something yeah, like that. I don't that. agree with it. No, you don't think? Well, why I mean, it? it is a form of harm reduction because mm-hmm. I, uh, I have since... Uh, gained my certification in uh, peer mentoring and recovery coaching. Nice. Yeah. Congratulations. So, yeah, I, I have two jobs. I do that at one job, and then I, I work at a company that only hires ex-cons at the other. So, <laughs> <laughs> so if it wasn't for prison or drugs, I'd have no jobs. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I so when I early in recovery, I was like a recovery Nazi. I was like, okay. no, y- y- you know, you're not if you smoke weed, you're not clean. You know what I mean? If yeah. you, you know, if you're on Suboxone, you're not clean. If you're on methadone, you're not clean. Okay. And, but but, but then I started need to that see. Stuff, though, right? I started to see. I, I go to meetings, and um, sometimes the chair would say, uh, the chairperson would be like, if you're on Suboxone or methadone, please don't share. We would rather speak to you than the drug. And I was like, it started to not sit well with me because yeah. I'd see people not come back. It was almost like shaming. Yeah, because I know, like, methadone, especially with certain people, like, my grandmother with, like, just smoking cigarettes. They're like, if you quit smoking, you're going to die. So some people have done so much heroin that, like, they have to have something, something. like that. And you can live a good life on Suboxone and methadone. Yeah, because, like, it doesn't necessarily get you high. It just kind of gives you, like, tricks your body into thinking that you're doing that drug. It, like, mutes it out or whatever, yeah, right? It keeps you from getting sick. Yeah. That's the thing. Yeah, heroin addicts do get um, oh sick. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, violently ill, and it gets worse every time you try to get clean. Yeah. So th- I started to see that, and then I once I started going for my uh, my recovery coaching certification, I was like, you know, was, they were really they talked a lot about harm reduction, and uh, I was like, damn. So like I don't agree with those shooting galleries, but it is harm reduction. Mm-hmm. I kind of. Especially with heroin with the fentanyl and everything going around now. It's like you're kind of, it's like almost you're giving people a place to die. Yeah, but I mean, for some, because I know other countries where they they have places where people actually go and shoot up and and whatnot. Obviously, they have lower numbers of people also doing this as well because they have better mental health care stuff. Because a lot of times, like if you got arrested for drugs, they stick you in prison instead of a rehab or, you know, mental health care. Is that documentary? It's like they say like 60 to 70 percent, maybe more Mm -hmm. of people who are incarcerated need treatment. Oh, yeah. No, they're super Uh, fucked up. That's the reason why they're in there. Yeah. Yeah. But the thing about treatment, too, is you can't force that on anybody either. No, they have to want to. 100%. My stepmother, when they, I remember they were going to try, I don't know, my dad was on this kick every once in a while. I would go on and be like, we're not drinking anymore. And she was a raging alcoholic, like a bottle of Bacardi a night, beat the kids, go to bed, do it all over again type of woman. She was old school. Very old <laughs> And when they were, like, talking about going to AA meetings and stuff like that, um, she, like, threw a fit that she couldn't have a non-alcoholic beer. It's like, bitch, you're not even in AA yet, and you're complaining that you can't drink a non-alcoholic beer. You're not ready. <laughs> right, right. I drink non-alcoholic beer. Yeah. And it is looked down upon. Well, what it has, like, do you actually like the taste of beer? <laughs> I, like, the Heineken Zero Zero? Yeah. Yeah. So... And that was another thing, too. Early, like, the first two years of uh, I was in recovery, I was like, I'm not going out any place that sells alcohol. Then mm-hmm. eventually, once my life started to come together a little bit more, it was like, I have friends who are not just in recovery. Mm-hmm. You got to have friends that are... Like-minded, but yeah. also understanding. Like, and people who are not addicted to drugs also are, ha- are, 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 are addicts. Yeah. And I was like, you know, if they invite you out, you go. If you feel uncomfortable, you leave. And, yeah. and I have been able to maintain that. 
that is the hard thing is peer pressure too especially with this with a friend or something like that like rebecca again i'm using her always as an example because she got clean after the last time she partied with me so i feel responsible for her being clean because <laughs> we were here doing whippets like uh -huh. we were doing all of the things and her lips were turning blue i'm like hey we should go outside maybe smoke a cigarette you're sucking on it yeah. a little bit um whippets are great whippets are so fun right <laughs> little, i have a cracker and everything yep. i went on a whole little phase with that yeah no I, I used to do whippets too i do whippets i do i would huff end dust Okay. Yeah. I actually, I think uh, keep that away. Yeah. <laughs> my dad, according to actually my uncle, fuck was a you up. Man. Is a, was a huffer like huffing paint? I n was never into that. That I never did. Like where you spray the paint to the bag and then. Yeah, and like I've did. tried um, a little bit of ether. I've done that. We used to take. I forget what it was. My buddy had this tank. He did work like he was an HVAC guy. Oh, probably nitrous. And we would just. Yeah, probably nitrous, which is the same thing as whippets. Yeah, that's, that's exactly yeah. the exact same thing. They're great. We used to take um, before I knew that we could just get whipped cream cans. I know I've talked about it on the show before, but we would take like air freshener, like vanilla or cinnamon and put a washcloth over it yep, and then yep. like tip it. And yep, yep. and we were I want to say like 15, 16 when we were doing that, like going to Kmart 99 cents for a spray can of Glayton. Now I know why I remember. Now I, I understand why I'm not as sharp as I like to be. sometimes. <laughs> oh, because yeah. Like that. Absolutely. After a prolonged use, of course. Like, I know for a fact that I would be way smarter. Yeah, <laughs> this is why I miss tags regularly mm -hmm. when I'm doing... <laughs> I forget. I mean, even before that, though, it's also because of the ADHD. Like, I'll be having a conversation, then all of a sudden just be like, what the fuck was I just talking about? Right. So, like, meditating has actually helped me do that, like, stay calm and, like, present. I've wanted to do that for so long. I, I'll hook you up. Yeah. With um, I use Headspace. I'm. It's not like an ad or, or whatever, but I really like them because they have like a bunch of different things, and they even say like, it teaches you on on how to do it. It's like you don't always like your brain is gonna think thoughts are gonna pop up. This is just how to like push them aside and focus on what you're doing. Yeah. No, it's definitely it helped a lot with my anger because I like I said I have like, like pent up anger yeah. a lot. I. I grouped so much uh, in that program. 18 months, five, six groups a day. Mm -hmm. um, they used to have this thing called a confrontation group where your peers, you know, there was this box in the hallway, and if your peer did something that you didn't like or they broke the rules, you would drop a slip in there. Okay. And then if, if you didn't drop a slip on them, you would not be able to retort. You would just have to take it. Oh. And we would say some fucked up <laughs> things to each other. <laughs> and you just got to sit there. They call it hold your belly. You gotta yeah. Hold your belly. So I learned a lot of control from that. Plus, it's it's almost like a game in the TC because they're like, you know, you, you get these privileges. Mm -hmm. And then they're like, guess what? Nobody has privileges. Everybody's locked down. Because like no, one person does something? Not or? even sometimes. Oh, just not, because yeah, they we're could? Gonna, yeah, we're just going to do it. Like, and if you can't handle it, like, if you're going to relapse or leave because of that, then obviously you don't want to be clean. Right. That you're not ready to be clean yet. Yeah, I guess that, I could see that being a good. I know that's all changed, though. Well, yeah, it does sound a little abusive. <laughs> it was good, though. I needed it. Yeah, I think some people, like me, like I definitely needed stricter discipline. Like when I lived with my father, because he was terrifying. He never did anything violent towards me. It was always my stepmother. But my mom was such a pushover. Oh, no, he's fine. Are you okay? <laughs> Breathe it <coughs> out. <laughs> oh no you're fine my mom was always kind of a pushover like i didn't have respect for her at all especially when i was sixth grade i was taller than her i'm like oh i could beat you up now but my dad because he did military discipline where i would have to like scrub the floor with a toothbrush yeah and you know i always had to make my bed you know that kind of stuff like i definitely need a daddy <laughs> like my, my mom was very like she was not an enabler whatsoever yeah she didn't play. I think I got like five dollars out of my mom. Out of your whole childhood, yeah, are both like, of your parents still together? Like I, yeah, they're still together. They moved to South Carolina a few years ago okay. from here. They're living good. I was, when they first moved down there, I was like, "Why the fuck would you move down here?" Because it's cheaper. It's, and yeah, that's <laughs> my, my father's like, "We're rich here." 
we're rich. But yeah, they have a nice place now. They got the house got a couple bedrooms, saltwater pool. Nice. There's a creek behind it, like a blackwater creek. Oh, that's fucking fun. alligator in there. <laughs> in South Carolina, I was like, what the fuck? My uncle lives down there I'm too. He likes it. I was gonna go for a walk one night while I was visiting, and my mom was like, "Be careful because the alligators like to." Go from one. They're actually pretty fast too. Yeah. They're actually pretty fucking fast if they come running towards you. My m- I remember my mom sent the picture. She's like, "Look at the alligator! Isn't she so cute?" I was like, "She's a fucking alligator." You mom. can't <laughs> have like well, because my uncle, my other uncle, he lives in Florida, so like alligators are just a part of everyday life there now, and yeah. like crazy bugs. He does like, he, I can see my uncle like snapping an alligator's neck. That's like. <laughs> And he would. He'd be like, fuck it. Like, he would punch an alligator. <laughs> They're not allowed to kill the alligators in South Carolina. It's ridiculous. Unless yeah. they are over six feet long. Oh, like if they're like a... Huh. I don't think they're there, like, naturally, though. They had to be pets. Well, a lot of, like, I know Florida has all the issues with, like, pythons and, like, crazy... People letting them loose and, and just shit. Them loose Invasive and they, species. And then they get huge. Yeah. yeah, and they're fucking up, like, the ecosystems and stuff like that. Yeah, they have the Gambian pouch rat down there, too. I don't even know what the fuck that is. Yeah, it Florida's doesn't... fucked up. It's a zoo. It's, <laughs> it's a, a literal, literal zoo. A literal zoo there. It makes sense why my uncle loves it so much there. But that's... But that's... That place kept me clean, and then yeah. I, I left... Did your parents ever use it all? My father is an alcoholic. Okay. He hasn't drank in a long time. Nice. I do remember him getting sober and his hand shaking and all that and watching him suffer. He was always a, he was always a very like that's the thing like I did not see eye to eye with my folks for a long time but you get older you look back they were just hard working people. Yeah, just you know? trying to make the best out the of best everything. Of yeah, there's been times when I wanted to blame my mom specifically for a lot of stuff. And I can. I 100% can blame her. At the same time, I was like, as long as she, like, admits it. That was the whole thing, is that she never wanted to admit anything that yeah. she did. She always wanted to blame my dad, because he was the scapegoat. Yeah. Because he's, you know, the high-functioning sociopath, you know, the the bad guy. I'm like, actually, he wasn't that bad. It was <laughs> you. I'm like, <laughs> he was honest about who he was. So she finally came out and was like, yes, I know I did all these She's like, I'm sorry. Yeah, I made her go to therapy. I told her I wouldn't speak to her again until she went to therapy. So she went to therapy, and now we're okay. Yeah, my mom <laughs> is doing She, I can't believe how much she's changed, uh, even like because my brother passed a few months ago. Mm-hmm. and uh, she's Was that from a drug overdose? Yeah. yeah. He, so, so he was still using, even yeah, though you got I think clean. He got clean before me, and okay. then he relapsed. Yep, he relapsed. And, uh, yeah, he did cocaine that had fentanyl in it. Ugh. That's why. That's just a bad dealer, too. I know you had the joke, but I've talked yeah. about it on here too. I'm like, you want to keep your customer. <laughs> it doesn't make sense from any standpoint, especially a business standpoint. Yeah. If you're selling drugs, you want your customers to stay alive, like because they're gonna buy more drugs, especially if they know that your drugs are clean. It makes no sense to me. No, it's really bad business. Yeah. <laughs> it's such a especially bad in the cocaine. It's like it's the exact opposite of what ball. you want. Yeah. Yeah. A couple of times I tried heroin because I thought it was cocaine and mm-hmm. I was sniffing and I was like, whoa, speedball. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But my mom, she's like in a she's like in a group now for people that have lost their children and stuff like that. And yeah. They got they just got another dog, an Australian Shepherd. They haven't had a dog in a long time. So I got I'm going to go see them. Uh, right after the new year. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that'd be good. Yeah. When's the last time you saw him? So I went down for a little bit after my brother passed away because it was my mom was a little nervous because Delta was still around and yeah. all that stuff. And my father has some some issues. Health issues. Health issues. Yeah. Older people do have to worry a little bit more. I had to handle all that stuff myself. I got to go view the body, write the obituary. Oh, you had. Yeah. Because they couldn't. Come. Yeah. Oh, was he buried here in, in New York? We or? had him cremated. Nice. Yeah, we had him cremated. Uh. Just me. I viewed him alone, and then they took him off to be cremated. They, to be honest, people were like, you know, why why didn't you have service? And I was like, I just didn't want to take a chance of anybody coming <gasps> on drugs. Yeah. I would have lost my fucking mind. Yeah, that would have been very disrespectful. Yeah, w- but that's how those people live. Be like, I be need to get high before I come to when this. When my friends passed away, I, re- I 
when I was on drugs, I went to their funerals. I and if they're <laughs> and I I w- I only can only imagine what their families felt like. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like Jesus Christ, it's like these are the people that killed my child. That and like these fucking kids are gonna die too. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, yeah, so. A lot of people were like, you know, why would you do that? Or how? I was like, you know, it's really none of your business. Yeah. (laughs) My mother is the one who decided to cremate him, and I was up there, and he was fucked up though because it was very transactional. Mm -hmm. When I went to the funeral home, you know, they were like, hey, how you doing? This is this. This is it. Here, sign this. Uh, We need you to fill this out. I was like, fuck. So I had to like get into like you know a mental state uh, yeah i was like in like you know business mode almost mm-hmm. and they were talking about payment and all that stuff and cremation is that that's like six seven thousand dollars right or no that's an average cost of a funeral i think yeah i'm not sure i know it was over definitely over a thousand for the cremation yeah um and then they're like all right would you like to see your brother and i was like yeah and the uh the guy was like listen you know, since he's being cremated, your mother made a decision to cremate him. Uh, we haven't used any uh, makeup, makeup or, yeah. or um, formaldehyde or anything like that. And so he's like, there's fluid yeah, bombing fluid. Yeah. You know, so oh, so how long was he dead? So then? it had been a few days, and uh, they were like, you know, he was found face down. And so I was like, you know what, man, I know this neighborhood well. You know, it's a little different because it's my brother, but, you know, yeah. we could cut all the the talk just just show, show me. me where he is yeah, <laughs> yeah. so I, I go in there and he fucking looked like he was sleeping like you know you go to a funeral and people have the embalming fluid in them they look almost and like a makeup, wax yeah, figure yeah, yeah. like it, it I w- he didn't look bad at all like he had a little redness but he was a red guy <laughs> you know what i mean and i had been spending so much time with him over the last few years because uh he'd gotten shot and he got shot a few years ago okay about about three years ago. Yeah, three years ago last month he got shot. And um after he got out of the hospital, like he's he's he came and stayed with me to finish healing and like I watched him sleep so much. You know what I mean? Yeah. So much. And I was just <laughs> like, damn. And I had to leave because I was in there for like twenty minutes and I'm like Just staring I'm like, at did him. he did he move? Did he Aww. and then this lady can't I got up walked out for a second lady came she's like how she's irish lady she's like how's it going i'm like i I was like my mind's starting to play tricks on me and she was like don't let this don't push the signs away and i was like these ain't good signs (laughs) and i was like you know what i I," in my head i'm like he's not waking back up yeah i've said everything i've had to say and i was like "I'm, i'm gonna leave i'm gonna go and then uh yeah so i had to handle that all all by yourself all by myself and then i went once I got the ashes, I went down to see my parents. And gave them the ashes. Yeah, but even that was, was crazy because... So, the... I was going to take it, the ashes on a plane. They were going to be in my possession. I think that's illegal, no? So, <laughs> the thing is, has the, the urns they sent him in mm-hmm. were lined with, like, metal. So that means now that the the TSA has to look inside, Inside. and my mother like flipped her shit. She was oh because they opened the urn. Well, she's like, no one's opening it, you know. So the funeral home had to come back, get the urn, and then put it. um, Actually, they kept the same urn, and then they just mailed it to her directly. But the deal, like what we originally wanted, was he was going to go from the funeral home to me. To my mom. Yeah, to my but was, you could was fly with him. that. <laughs> so the thing was this, is I kind of wanted to be there when she got it. Yeah. When she got him. And uh, he uh, got there a day before me. So she was, it was hard to deal with. I'm like, I know I'll be there tomorrow. And oh, that sucks. Yeah. Oh, so, so they did send, they just sent her the ashes. Yeah, right. Urn. Okay. Because I know that there is, um, it's like illegal to spread like human remains yeah. like ashes like in certain places even though people want to do it all of the time like yeah. by the statue of liberty like anywhere yeah it's actually like really illegal. statue of liberty <laughs> illegal to do that so my my mom has the big one and i have a little one that's shaped like a heart oh that's nice and then another one for his son my brother was the I, he was 
I, he was great. Like, uh, was he your older brother? Or younger. Younger. He was younger. Big comedy fan. Okay. So when he got shot, he had a colostomy bag for a while. Yeah. But he, he only left the house uh, three times. He came to see me do comedy once, and then he, he, he went. He was a big. He, he loved Big J Okerson. <laughs> he went to see him twice. Nice. Yeah. Big J is very funny. Hilarious. I love Big J. Yeah. I. When did you start doing comedy? Because you've only been doing comedy for a little while, right? Like a couple years? A little over three years now. Nice. Yeah. Well, like I started right before, like right before my brother got shot. Right before he got shot. Yeah. Do you think, um, especially around comics, because a lot of comics are users and degenerates and alcoholics, although there's a bunch that are clean now. Right. A ton of people have clean. Have you found it difficult to stay clean, or do you just kind of steer clear of those people? No. I mean, I know that cocaine gets done sometimes. Constantly. Yeah. Sometimes that's cute. <laughs> I was producing a show with a guy one time, and like we, we, we would split hosting, and I'd be like, dude, you look like a fucking idiot up there like yeah. your jaw is gone like, oh, yeah I, was like, I can't do i was like there's other comedy comics here. on coke like i can't like, don't Co- you want to get booked somewhere else you yeah. know what i mean he was funny too he doesn't do comedy anymore but uh no i haven't had any issues with thinking about using uh around comedy that's good yeah like comedy it can be um it can be very beneficial especially with the people who are sober like you have a solid group of people like so many lo- like jim norton i i know is you know completely sober i know um, karen's now sober yeah there's a bunch of people that are or even just became sober as yeah. of that definitely helped yeah a bunch of people are like are you going to be sober i'm like i don't i know i have this podcast and i talk about but like i don't do as many times yeah. as people think i do yeah no i think you just party sometimes <laughs> it's like maybe once a month and then i'm like okay i'm down for like two weeks yeah you don't drink every day no yeah. i can't oh my god i used to be able to like even before quarantine i've like i would have my one day a week where like i would like go get drunk and even on that day i wouldn't really do it <laughs> half the time i wouldn't even go out like uh sometimes comics would be like oh let's go to pianos i'm like nah yeah. One, because I just don't want to be around that many drunk people because it's annoying. It's real. We are very annoying. Drunk yeah. people are super annoying. And then fights. See, I like to fight. So. I don't want to fight anymore. Yeah, yeah, I get that. I don't want to hurt anybody. And also, I don't want to get hurt. I remember the last fight I got into, like, I was sore for three days afterwards. Ooh. I was just like, I don't got it like I used to. Yeah, I haven't really fought in years which is nice sometimes not, not i physically. do <laughs> i want to punch <laughs> people in the face a lot constantly yeah. i do i think about stabbing people all of the time <laughs> all of the time just stupid things L- earlier today a woman um in the elevator because we have like a lower level we have the lobby and then we have parking which is where i normally go out um, through the garage to smoke or, or walk my dog. And this woman, she kept going in and out of the elevator. She's like, wait, is it going down? And I'm like, I said it twice already. There's an arrow pointing down. All of the signs show that it's going down. I'm like, I want, I could stab her. <laughs> I could stab her right now just for being dumb. It's so very grateful that I didn't become a cop. Or Academia something. is what makes me want to punch people in the face. Did you go to college? Yeah. You did? You graduated? 2018. Oh, oh so you went late. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, I went later. I tried when I was younger. I went to school to be a cop when I was in my 20s, and I got my degree in that. Well, kind of. Criminal uh, justice. Criminal justice. Yes, was certified for law enforcement, did, did all of that, and then, yeah, I went back school uh pretty much when i moved to new york like I, I went for like a year took a year off it was on it was all online and stuff um but yeah someone else paid for the degree so i'm like i might as well go <laughs> yeah hell yeah i mean i i'm 40 now i don't know if i'll even go to college but like i just feel like academia is infesting everything in well it's world. also like that thing where it's like oh you have to it's, it's that same mentality because we grew up where it's like, oh, you have to go to college to get a good job. Where it's now it's like you actually just have to be really good at computers. Right. <laughs> there's people now. Uh, there's also that thing with like social media. Be like, I could be an influencer. So a lot of those people do make an obnoxious amount of money. Yeah. But not everyone can do that. Like we still need waiters. We still need plumbers. We still need doctors. Yeah. No one wants to be a doctor or lawyer. They're like, I want to be an Instagram model. <laughs> So many people. <laughs> yeah, well, because it's easy because people, our brains are inherently lazy. Like, whatever it is, like, 
when you're thinking about doing something, you're like, oh, I really want to do this. But you're the little voice in your head is like, but you also really want to do this because uh, your brain just wants to make you comfortable, which is why drugs is always especially yeah. addicts. It's like, oh, well, this makes me feel better than literally everything right. else. Yeah, that's fantastic. It, but academia to me is like even like the ju- the some of the like what I do for for work and I do like a lot of uh, I, wor- I run a lot of workshops mm-hmm. for people like even volunteer stuff. Like uh, when people know that I'm not like I don't have a degree. Mm-hmm. Do they bit. look down on you a little bit? Yeah, a little bit. But I remember one time I was creating this workshop with uh, with this this other with this nonprofit organization. And uh, the doctor that was like putting it together was like, well, what do you think, Derek? And I was like, really? Oh, like it made me feel it made <laughs> well, me feel life so good. experience. Too, that's the thing, too, is that. I've experienced like I should definitely have a degree in um, in like sexual health therapy just from the years of being a stripper and in porn. I was in the adult industry for 10 years. I have more life experience than the kid who just sat in a class for four years. Right. Exactly. So life experience, I think, definitely makes people more knowledgeable about, you know, than people just reading a book on it. And if you could have both. Oh, my God, you're an expert in that situation, you know, or. The topic or whatever. Yeah, never, never shun life experience because I think that's way better than than an actual education. Right, right. And I would definitely rather go to like a group or something with like a recovering addict, you know, someone who's actually lived a life than just some nerd who just went to school for it because they don't know. They've never experienced those things. They've never experienced, you know having to steal or rob someone, yeah, you know, or drugs. sucking a dick for, dr- you know what yeah. I mean? Like, they've never had to experience that. So it's like, you don't really know what the fuck you're talking about. Right, <laughs> right. right. Yeah, they could prescribe the medications and help. Yeah, the so I, then that's about it. Yeah. <laughs> when it comes to, when it comes to, like, the, the, like, the group stuff, though, and then sometimes you just need to talk to somebody else that knows exactly what you're going through. Yeah, yeah. that that has that, that life experience that's be like, all right, this is what I did. You know, this is this is what I this is what I did. This is what I should have done. You know, yeah, it definitely I think that the, the type of therapy I've had that definitely like I need someone who's been fucked. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> to be perfectly honest. It's wild for me, too, because I, I see not uh, like whatever gets you clean. Like whatever gets people clean is mm-hmm. great. It's different for everybody, though. Like I needed that pull your bootstraps up yeah type shit like boot camp yeah, kind of like tough love you you want to be nothing then go be nothing if you want to be something fucking work hard yeah you know i need that yeah. i've always needed that yeah. <laughs> i always like a good smack in the back of the head to be like all right so fucking do it even with my fitness classes i mean that's it's called prison style boot camp like they, <laughs> they come to combody to get like screamed at yeah. That's what they want. I mean, I go to kickboxing to beat up stuff. Yeah. So I don't have to beat up a real person. Exactly. <laughs> so exactly. they go there to get yelled at. Probably a lot of, um, like, alpha people because sometimes they want to be submissive. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I need that. I have to be alpha when I teach class. Yeah. It's like, ugh. <laughs> <laughs> Throw this hat on. I become, like, a completely different person. Be, like, the real, like, ex-con. Yeah. Just, like, the heart. <laughs> That's so retarded. Yeah, I say the dumbest <laughs> shit. I'm like, you know what makes people change? Pain. It's like. <laughs> You're like, why am I saying this? Yeah, because after a while, right, it's like. Like, even, like, a lot of my jokes are about, like, being incarcerated mm-hmm. in heroin. And Were you ever arrested for drugs? Yeah, I got caught with drugs before. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's like, sometimes you get tired of it. It's like, this is my whole life. Yeah. Like my work. Um, I don't think I have one drug, a joke. That isn't about that. But I mean, that's, you're talking, I mean, you're also still new into comedy. Right. Like, like you're still really new. In Three comedy. years. Yeah. That's still new, new. Yeah. yeah. So you still, you have time. It's like autobiographical or right? autobiographical yeah. in the beginning. Yeah, I oh yeah, cuz all I did was do porn stuff. That was and that's what people that's the thing too is that even though you've been incarcerated, you've done drugs, you work in these programs that doesn't define like who you are as a person. Right. These are just things that you've done. Just like me, I'm like no one talks about me being an armored car driver. I thought that was way cooler than yeah. me being a porn star. Right, right. <laughs> or even when I was a private detective. I'm like that shit was way cooler than How long does that last for? The 
the personal stuff like before you get more to the observational um for me because i've been it's like seven years now um i want to say like five yeah years in is when I started, well, even in the beginning a little bit, like, because I had learned that I can't just come out and be like, I used to suck dick on film, like, because mm-hmm. people were just like, what the fuck? Yeah. And, like, they'd be interested, but no one would be laughing, so I had to learn to, like, have them get to know me. Uh, but, yeah, I would say, like, maybe five years in. But, I mean, if you have that stuff now, you go always, like, try working it in. Yeah. Like, always... I always try to work in at least something new, you know, depending on, on the set that I'm doing. But, yeah, do, do you like observational more than autobiographical? <laughs> no, no. I mean, I'm starting to do – I'm starting to get more comfortable doing doing different things when I'm on stage. Mm-hmm. Like the other day, the show I was on, like uh, I, I was taking bullet with what was going first. So I was just paying attention to the, the what the host – what her set was like mm-hmm. and so then i uh i just like piggybacked off of something she she was talking about with the crowd mm-hmm. did a little bit of crowd work and eased in before i was like All right, yeah they have to like here i am have like a little bit of, of like get to they know gotta you. trust me a little bit before yeah I'm like, all right i'm an ex-con heroin addict yeah and they'll be like okay yeah but yeah if you Let's get them you have to get them on your side first and then they'll be like oh my god that's so crazy ha <laughs> which i gotta start figuring out like i gotta work out like a tight five that isn't so interactive because you can't do crowd work if you're gonna like do be doing auditions and shit like no. that. <laughs> it's gotta be jokes the whole way, right? Yeah, it's a pain in the ass. Like yeah. I have a couple like solid five minute, you know, like the TV five minute, five six minute ones. Yeah, no, they're brutal. Yeah. <laughs> especially only doing five minutes. Especially now, only doing like five minutes. I'm like, I. This is nothing. I have nothing right. to talk about. <laughs> right. Five minutes, though, is a, when you first start. Five minutes is a fucking eternity. Yeah. <laughs> Long time. And then now you're like, I only have 10 minutes. Fuck this. I want. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for so much for coming on. This has been super fun. Yeah, no, it was great. Um, I introduced you in the beginning of the show because I haven't done it in a while. So, but this is Derek Drescher, everybody. Uh, where can people find you online? <laughs> uh, just on Instagram at Derek Drescher. There we go. No That's Twitter or no nothing. Twitter. Good. It's all toxic. I have a Twitter account, but I there's nothing on it. <laughs> yeah. So just Derek Drescher, D E R E K D R E S C H E R. Nice. What about your podcast? You got a podcast? On the Gate Podcast. Yes. At on the Gate Podcast. I'll check and that out as well. If you're ever in New York, the second Tuesday of the month, come to the stand to my show. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Um, obviously, I'm Aaliyah Janine. Um, you can follow me on Twitter, the Aaliyah Janine. Instagram, Janine, Um, And this is the last episode of the year. Also, the first one I've done <laughs> in three <laughs> months. But as we talked about, that was the antidepressants. Um, but yeah, I have um, a bunch coming up for the new year. So um, check out how to do drugs. Okay, bye.